It's season four here at On The Path, and I am so, so excited for this next guest. You are going to love her in this conversation. Coming up next, we are speaking with the one and only Tony Collier. She is founder of the international women's ministry, Broken Crown, Still Color, and the author of the brand new book, Brave Enough to be Broken. Oh, guys, you are going to love this conversation. We talk about what we've learned in the rock bottom moments of our life, how we have healed and the lessons we've learned along the way, how to avoid numbing down our pain and the three biggest lies that the enemy keeps us broken with. Guys, you do not want to miss this conversation available on all podcast platforms or subscribe to my YouTube channel or you can stream 24 hours into the castle.com. I will see you on the path. You're listening to On the Path Podcast with Cheryl Nemhart, brought to you by Fight for Freedom. Follow Cheryl Nemhart on all social media platforms. Hey guys, welcome to On the Path. I am so excited to have you with me, as we always say, with us. We are in the classroom of life. We are on this journey of discovery as we learn from our, not just our mountaintop experiences, but from the valley from the rock bottom moments of our life. And we have a profound teacher in the building. This lady is a powerhouse, and I'm so excited that she's our guest for season four. We had to bring her back, y'all. She's got a brand new book, and you are going to love what she is speaking about. I have the one and only Tony Collier in the building, and uh, I'm so even more privileged to say she's a sister friend of mine. If you don't know this name, guys, get to know her. You're going to love what she's speaking about today. Let me tell you a little bit about Tony. Tony Collier is a hope coach. She's the author of Brave Enough to be Broken, her brand new book. And she's the founder of Broken Crayon Still Color, which is an international women's ministry that helps women process their brokenness and reclaim hope. Somebody say amen to that. She is a popular speaker and a consultant who helps organizations uh, with creative marketing, leadership, student ministry, strategic planning. It's her passion to show women that they can be both broken and beautiful as they work out their healing at the feet of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Come on, y'all. We have a church already. We haven't even started. (laughs) Tony also is an incredible wife and literally a teacher at the Story Church, which is a beautiful, powerful church that is being raised up by her and her husband, the one and only Sam Collier. And I'm telling you, they're doing the thing in Atlanta. So she's all things, y'all. And get ready. She just had a brand new baby boy, Sam Jr., in addition to their beautiful daughter, Dylan. So yes, multiple hats going on. It is the, it is the grace of God <laughs> and, and perhaps okay. coffee that's holding it all together. Ladies and gentlemen, let me, let me welcome you. Let's give a big, huge on the path to Tony Collier, guys. Yay! We made it. We made it. We made it. Kids are upstairs, hoping nobody comes down. That's just where we are right now. I'm so excited. And it's like major girl time on steroids. And I'm telling you, people don't even know the obstacles we have. (laughs) We've overcome. You want to talk about a valley? We, we have were in already it. We're on the mountains now. <laughs> we have already overcome so many obstacles to be here. Tony, I am so yeah. thankful that you are here with us on the path. Yeah. And it is literally like we're just gonna walk through this beautiful, yeah. beautiful trail and we're gonna talk about the stuff that matters. Mm. So I think the first place I wanna start is I it's just off the book, but just like how are you feeling? 
Like, how are you doing it? Brand new mom again. Tell us all about it. Um, You know, it's been interesting because everyone's like, oh, it's like riding a bike. You're going to have your second one. It's going to be all good. It's going to be like riding a bike. I'm like, it's not. You all lied. Okay. You all lied. And I don't know if it's because we have an eight year gap between our first and now our second, our son. And I I don't know if it's, if that's the problem or if it's just like technology and all the new things and the reality of life on the road as a preacher and teacher, but something is making it a lot more difficult this time. But it's interesting because as I've been like preaching and teaching and talking about this book that I wrote, um, I'm kind of in a valley myself, you know, I've been talking about brokenness. I've been talking about pain and I'm like, man, I'm in the thick of it right now. I've upped counseling. Okay. I'm like, we're going from two weeks to one week now so that I can be on the offense and not the defense. And so good, you know, it's just a lot, but it's, it's good. I'm glad that I, I have my own valley to face right now while I am trying to encourage other people to face theirs as well. And so it's bittersweet, but it's more sweet than bitter. And we just, we, we out here. Okay. We're out here. <laughs> we out here. I love it. Yes. Listen, speaking of, speaking of journey and like uh, healing as we go, right? Mm, I would yeah. love to ask before we even get into the book, cause I'm so excited about the book, by the way, like powerful. So, so, so good. I want to know what was the journey? See, I, I love to go deeper. What was That's this? Good. How did the the book even come to be and oh, yeah. as you're as you're rolling that out what did you learn about yourself mm, in the writing that's journey? really good so the book is called brave enough to be broken because i know what it looks like to be brave in my brokenness but i also know what it looks like to be ashamed in it i've i, I feel like i have the moral authority to write about this because i've done it the wrong way um yeah. I would say the foundation of my story is all childhood, you know, much like many of us. It's trauma in my childhood, sexual abuse and manipulation. It's drugs and alcohol and a really broken family. It's verbal abuse. It's a marriage that was toxic in a church that was spiritually abusive. It's an eating disorder. I mean, it's all these things that I'm standing on. And, you know, there was this moment, there was kind of like this, this life gate moment where I realized that I had been numbing as many of us do. I've been turning to idols as many of us do. And I'd been deeply ashamed of what I was going through and had been through. And I was hiding, you know, I was living kind of this double life of being a youth pastor, preaching and teaching in middle schools and high schools and to students on Sunday and being a creative director. And I was going home to doors ripped off the hinges and holes punched in the walls and screaming, yelling, cursing, popping all the things. And And I just didn't want to face the reality that we really do have to embrace our pain and get out of shame cycles and bubbles so that we can get on the other side to a true life of wholeness. Um, And so that's kind of where it came from. I think while writing it, it was interesting because it was on the tail end of two years of counseling every single week and a 16-week trauma group course, trauma therapy, intensives. I mean, all these different things, getting remarried, going to marriage counseling. And at the end um, of this healing journey, which we we don't really end, we just kind of keep going. um, I realized that there was a roadmap to healing, but it hadn't been created. I had just clawed my way through it to find it. And what I wanted to do was to write something that 
gave an actual like step-by-step roadmap to what it looks like to heal and to find Jesus in the middle of it. Mm. And so I created this organization, kind of piloted it, tested it on women all around the world. We have some women that were in Canada. We, we produced this course on healing. And then from that course, we wrote this book. And it's been a beautiful journey, hard, but beautiful. Oh. I love that. And you know, you have a quote in this book. I got to read it. In the book's intro, you say, the greatest gift I've ever given myself was the bravery to press into pain and the freedom to heal from it. Man, pain is something that we usually like avoid at all costs, as you say. say. So how did you find the strength? Like, how did you lean into the pain? And and what would you tell women who are afraid of how much healing may hurt? Yeah. I think that in order to endure the pain and to really embrace it and press into it, there has to be something bigger than you. And that something was a someone for me. And it was my daughter. I remember being, you know, in the car on the way to an Easter service with my former husband, her dad, and yelling and screaming and going back and forth with each other and looking in the rearview mirror and seeing fear in her eyes for the first time. And I said, no, (laughs) One, I need to get us out of this situation. We need to, because I say this in the book, we cannot heal in the places that broke us in the first place with the people that broke us in the first place. So we had to get out of that situation because it just not, it just wouldn't change. Um, And then I just wanted to be a better mom for her. Like I, I wanted to be a more healed, more whole version of myself because I understand the weight of having unhealthy parents. I understand the reality of that. I was a youth pastor. I've seen students battle with that, with their parents. And I wanted to be better for her. And so, you know, if you're not a parent, then do it for yourself first. Know that the childlike version of you and the older version of you need to press into the hard things so that they can come out on the other side, living a more healed and whole life. And so, yeah, I said, come on, let's do this work. I'm already kind of gritty as well. I'm from Texas right. originally. So am I. So I'm I like, love I it. I, that's what I love about thing. you. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm like, I'm not scared of the hard thing. Let's talk about the hard things. Let's do the hard things. And it's just worth it. It really is just worth it. Yeah. So it's worth yeah. it to lean into the pain. It's worth it to allow that surgery yeah. to happen. And don't run yep. away from it. No, Absolutely. I mean, the thing about this is, and and I honestly do think that one of the reasons why we're so afraid of the valleys is that we think or believe that we're going to be alone in them. And for many of us that grew up in church, you know, we, I I don't know about y'all, but I, you know, I I thought there was like a big mean God that was like at the end of the valley or at the end of the tunnel saying, you need to get yourself together. And then once you do, I'm going to meet you there. And when you're all perfect and cleaned up. And I think what I, realized when my healing journey was actually, God was like, no, I'm the, the, the player on the sidelines of your life. I'm saying, put me in coach. I've got some power for your weakness. He's the light that is shining the path that we get to walk on. And I think once we realize that Jesus is coming for us in the valleys, that he's not hiding from us or somehow waiting for us to get it right or get it perfect. I think that gives us the strength and maybe the comfort, even the security to say, I'll get through this valley and I can stand in it because I know that I'm not alone in it. You know, Tony, I love that. Like one of my, you know, as I, you know, teach and speak and, and, and as Mm. you do, I, one of my big things that I say is that storms 
are our greatest mm-hmm. teachers. Uh, oh, you know, forget, yeah, yeah for, forget the mountaintop stuff. It's 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 Come when on. the boat is crashing. It's when you know the rug is pulled. It's when your back's against the wall. Those are the mm-hmm. big, huge lessons. Those are the life changing yeah. transitional moments. So you know what I love about you, and even in our time before, you know, our little prayer time before that no one heard. Yeah, I really, <laughs> I when I think about you, when I talk about mm-hmm. you and your ministry, and I try to describe it in just a few words, I say that you live your life broken Mm -hmm. open. And I love Mm -hmm. that. Like you have this awesome vulnerability and transparency Mm. about like, I'm still working this out. Like you said, I'm not perfect. And so you share a lot of rock bottom moments as part of your, like, uh, you know, the lessons learned. So with that, with that being said, the idea that we learn so much about who God is, who we are, like, you know, Mm. what of the rock bottom moments, the the, the back on the ground, what have those moments taught you about God? What have they taught you about Tony? And what have they taught you about others? Yeah, that's really, really good. I think first and foremost, um, you know, there, there may be people watching this that have battled through church hurt. And I think church hurt is just, gosh, one of the, it's a really sad pain point. And it's it sad because I think it influences what we think about God, what we believe about God, our experiences with the church, our experiences with our, you know, earthly father, all, all of those experiences, I think feeds um, our view of God. And for me, growing up, I, again, thought it was this big, mean God that wanted me to get my life together. And if I didn't get my life together, he didn't want me. He wanted the cleaned up version of me. And then I went into a church environment that was spiritually abusive and manipulative in many ways. And so then I thought that God was like that, that he was really just trying to manipulate me and use me for his kingdom, when really he wanted to partner with me for his kingdom. And I think through that experience, I I had a moment where I realized that I was worshiping a pastor and not a savior. That while, you know, my old pastor, my old church had needed to take responsibility and be honest that they were really spiritually abusive. I also had to be honest in saying, well, it was just easier to worship a pastor and to put a human on a pedestal because they were tangible. I could feel them. They were close. Right. But that's not their place. And oftentimes we put these leaders on pedestals that we want to rip them off of when we're upset with them. And I had to take responsibility for that. And I think the, the moment for me was realizing that I needed to choose to be a follower and not a fan of Jesus. I was just a fan like standing in on the sidelines, you know, in the arena, um, just being like, oh, this is really cool. Like that Jesus thing is really cool. But I wasn't meeting with him. I had a Sunday relationship with God, not a Monday through Saturday one. And I had to learn that. And I think what that then influenced me or it, what it essentially did was it taught me that if I decide to place God and God alone, in the most intimate places of my heart, out of the overflow of that relationship comes healthy relationships, comes really good community. So because when we start viewing God as someone who's manipulative and and unprotected, we start to view our friendships in that way, our relationships in that way. I made my pastor a savior. I made everything through that lens. Yeah. Everything through that lens. And once I fix that relationship, 
I mean, everything just started to blossom. My friendships, my new marriage. I was like, you ain't my guy. Now you're my husband, I love you very much, but you can't have that space. And I don't need to put you in that space. And when we do that, I just think beautiful things flow from it, really. Mm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This idea of the broken lenses of our life and how we view mm. everything through that is so huge to me because, because only God can fix that. And when we try to fix mm. it, it's warped. It's, it's you know, it's... Yeah. It, it, uh, and everything is misshapen and not, uh, yeah. you know, as they say, the pi images in mm -hmm. this picture are not actually real when you look at that thing, um, mm. the mirrors and stuff in our lives. I, I love yeah. this idea of of all the ways that we have dealt with pain, navigate pain, avoid pain. And I want to go back because this one is huge. You mentioned it in passing, but we got to circle back. And that's the numbing down of our pain, right? Because that can cause us to be like, almost like these walking zombies, like pushing down all the woundedness and just shoving life on top. And I want to ask you a very personal question. I, I'm going to put your, put you out there, put your, as they say, put your business right out there. Let's go right out, out there. I love it. Um, Tony, before, before you teach, tell, how were you numbing the pain in your life? What did you, now that you look back, what were some of the things? Well, 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 guys. Okay. I would say number one, very young, it was with boys, with men. I sought validation from uh, men and boys because I didn't really get it from my dad. And so it was losing my virginity at 13 and sleeping and kissing anybody that was walking and had legs, like partying. Then it was at, when I'm at the party and now I'm drinking alcohol. And that became a real crutch for me, a real numbing agent. Now it's, I'm doing drugs, I'm dabbling in, you know, marijuana, and now I'm popping pills a little bit. And, you know, it, it was hard because those things, and I just, I, I wanna give somebody some validation. Those things do help with numbing. Those things help with the pain, but they destroy the future version of yourself because the future version of yourself in its most whole, amazing, healed, holy place right. is processing through pain, is facing pain. And when you numb, you rob your future self of that, mm. of that ability to have real, true, authentic so peace, not fake good, peace, sis. not fake healing, not I'm, I'm all together. And we love to do that. Like, oh, everything's just fine. Instagram helps us do that. Social media helps us do that because we only get to post the highlight reels. But that I'm sleeping well at night. I don't need anything to help me sleep. I don't need anyone to help me feel peace, but God, that only comes from pressing into pain and not numbing. Um, I also think, this is very interesting. I also think that shopping had become a thing at one season. I got a little money, okay? You better talk and, about it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's like escapism. It's, yeah. I'm gonna go on Amazon and order a million things so that I can feel good about myself. It's just another idol. Right. Well, I get to have something in the mail and I get to have a new outfit and a new this. And if I just could put these things on, it would cover up all of the pain. And I had to stop that. And my bank account thanked me for it, okay? <laughs> but, but there's so many different ways, you know? And I feel like I've experienced the majority of them. But yeah. um, it, it's hard not to numb. It really, so, so really... Yeah, it's super hard, but so help us now. Help us now because yeah. it is hard. It is difficult. Yeah. Like just maybe like kind of step one, two, three that we can pull down sure. in this conversation. How do we stop yeah. this crazy cycle of numbing? 
That's really, really good. I think one, it's awareness. It's awareness that you are numbing. And oftentimes we can't do that for ourselves. We have to have other people to step into our lives to say, hey, sis, I think you're tripping a little bit and or the Holy Spirit, okay? And because for many of us who say, well, I don't have friends, I don't have community. It's like, well, ask Jesus, okay? He will make it clear and plain what you're doing, what you need to fix. He'll point those things out. And if you, you know, haven't developed that relationship with God, then really close, trusted friends who, who have a God that they're praying to, our God, who has a Savior and can use their own discernment to step into our stories and say, hey, I noticed that you you had three drinks tonight and... um you're you're a little you're a little uh, different than when you came here. Is that is there a reason why you're doing that? Does you know? Can you unpack that for me? And I've had friends that have been like, "Now, Tony, you usually only do this. Now you're doing this. Like, is everything okay?" So I think one is the awareness that that you are numbing. I think the second thing is grit. I talk about this a lot, especially in our women's course. We, I mean, the, the subtitle is "Becoming a Woman of Good Grit." I just think that we need more courageous Christians. This is why I put the word brave on here, like on our Love book. It. I just think we need to be a little bit more brave. I think yeah. we want a lavish, soft, comfy life. And there's nothing wrong with receiving that. There's nothing wrong with finding peace and rest. But make no mistake, suffering is a part of our DNA. It's a part of our Christian walk. It is the way that God has designed us in this world. Now we will get to Eden, we will get to heaven and we will experience so much lush. But right now, some suffering will come. I mean, God said it about Saul upon his conversion. He said to Ananias, I need you to go and tell Saul uh, that, that I want to use him not only to do great things for my kingdom, but also to suffer, to be aware that he will also suffer for my name. And we will suffer too. And so I think we've got to build some grit so that we can know ahead of time, this is going to be painful. The healing journey is not linear and it is painful. And I would say the third thing um, is this, do not ever believe that you will arrive, not here on this earth. There's just no way. We're going to experience brokenness. We crazy. And as Brene Brown says, we're imperfect. We're wired for struggle, but we're always and still worth love and belonging. But we will not arrive on this healing journey. I'm going to be healing forever until I meet Jesus. I'm going to be going to counseling until I leave this earth. Hopefully that my counselor stays with my crazy behind (laughs) because I'm going to be with her for the rest of my life because there's always going to be brokenness in our world. And there's always going to be a brokenness that we're going to need to heal from and process through. And so I just I hope that people would just stay on the journey and keep healing and keep finding wholeness. So, 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 so good. Guys, honestly, brave enough to be broken. If you haven't figured it out, this is a book you need in your arsenal. You need to get this book for so many reasons that we've mentioned and ones that we won't even get to. It, it's powerful, powerful, powerful. Yeah. You know, one of the things I love about you, Tony, we've met a few times outside yeah. of this this setting yeah. and you're the real deal. Um, I don't do fake. I, I, my whole story, like in a nutshell, literally I was witnessed to you on the streets. I was yep. living on the streets, um, gang banged, ex-drug addict, like all the things, alcoholic, but yep. it started from pain. It started from pain. I was mm. sexually abused. Uh, talk yep. about a church wound by a Sunday school teacher that turned out to be a pedophile. My life is a couple of movies and a book. And mm-hmm. uh, I never dealt with the pain, shoved it down. And yeah. uh, quick quick mm-hmm. equation, like pain left unchecked, unworked through, 
unresolved moves into anger. Mm. And that's what that anger is literally hurt left unchecked. Right. And so, so anger left unchecked on work through no counselor, whatever it just, it Mm. lodges in your heart, like bitterness. It becomes, you just become a bitter, bitter individual. And, and so that was me. And so like, I live my life now, now that I've come into freedom and wholeness and I'm like, you know, all over you addiction, addiction free and all those things. I just like, I just take this stance of like, I, like I hate the enemy. He hates mm. me right back. This is what we do. <laughs> and, and I know that you're such a warrior to like mm. dispel the lies of the enemy uh, mm. that have kept so many of us down. And I gravitated to this, this little moment here in chapter 10 of your book, there's a section oh, yeah. on, right. On keeping your eye on the enemy. I was like, oop. Okay, hold on. Because I was like, we got to talk about this. We're in the battle of our lives, literally Mm. for our mind, peace, joy, identity, worth, everything. You say Mm. this, you say that the devil attacks in three ways. Number one, Mm. you're unworthy. We could, we could like say, we could drop the mic right there. (laughs) There it is. Right. There it is. Number two, you are less than others. And number three, you don't need help. Could you just like mini Mm. unpack those? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the enemy wants to steal beauty from us. When we don't think that we have beauty in us, real, um, holy beauty, Eden, then I think we just take for granted our stories and our ability to put beauty in the world. When I felt unworthy, super insecure, I, I literally used to say, I have nothing to offer the world. There's no good in me. Like, I've done too much. I've hurt too many people. It just is what it is. When the enemy can get you into that place, he can stop you from creating beauty. How do you create beauty? With your relationships. You create beautiful moments. With your parenting, you create beautiful moments for your kids. With your craft and your gift and your talents, you create beautiful moments and and beautiful things that we put out in the world. But if the enemy is whispering in our ear, no, Absolutely not. God can't use you for that. And that's really just his scheme. Like shame is such a scheme of the enemy because if God is saying, no, I have actually designed you for a purpose on purpose. I want to do good things in you and through you. Then the enemy's like, no, you're not even worth God trying to activate this in you. Um, I think the other way I want to jump to the third way really quick, because I think it's so important. It's that it's that I just feel like he wants to isolate us. Yes. If we can stay isolated, yeah. the, the enemy can tell us anything because it's yeah. God's voice, the Holy Spirit's voice that's working on the inside of us. That's going to remind us that we can keep pushing on, that we've got a little bit more left in us, that that's healing good. and wholeness is available to us. It's going to be the close community. I'm in what's called right now a confessional community. It's like group therapy meets like best friends meets a whole bunch of prayer. And when I am not strong... I quite literally lean on my friends. Hey, I'm feeling this way in this moment. Hey, this week has been incredibly hard for me. And they are almost like an Ebenezer for me, a reminder to say, no, Tony, girl, what? Do you remember that one time God did this thing and you didn't even think he could? Man, actually, no, I didn't remember because I'm drowning so much right now. I can't remember. You need other people that are going to hold your arms up like Moses needed his arms to be held up. And I think... That's just such a big one. I think, you know, lastly, I think the enemy, there's a scripture that I write in the book that I I just love so much. It's James chapter four, verse seven. It's the message version. It says, Mm -hmm. yell a loud no to the enemy and watch him flee. 
whisper a quiet yes to Jesus and he will be there in no time. I love that version because it says you have everything you need, a whisper to your savior, to your king, and he'll be there in no time to rescue you, to revive you, to show you that your story can be redeemed, to give you not only a holiness, but a wholeness, a peace, a, a shalom. He is the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace of our lives. The enemy wants us to believe that we're not equipped. And God is saying, I've given you just a whisper and you've got all the power that you need in me. And yeah, that's, I'm so I'm like, take that enemy. I love it. Shoot. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Take that one, two, boop, boop. I love Boom. it. Um, yeah, you know, we, we, uh, we need those tools in our arsenal. We need those truths to hang on to. I'm so glad you took the time and just like walked us through that. Um, you know, the, at, at the end of the day, uh, we're saying all the right things and everything we're saying is true and right. And we've, we've lived it. So it's not like head knowledge. We've walked this That's thing right. out. But there is someone, the reality is there's someone that has stumbled on to maybe the podcast version of this, someone that's watching this uh, right now, wherever, however they're finding themselves here, it's divine providence. And they are saying, I get it. I hear you. But, you know, there's this statement that we all know, like life is hard, but God is good. Life is hard, Ooh. but God is good. So yeah. like from the, like from the depths of your heart, like as we say, hashtag real talk, what do you want to say to someone that's like, I get it. And I know God's good, but life is so hard right now. I think it's this line that, that I've said before and that I've even put on t-shirts. I think it is that hurt and hope can coexist. I think that we forget that we serve a God who all throughout the Bible, we have seen happy, delighted in us, but also sad, deeply sorrowful. Also in the Psalms, collecting our tears, someone who is aware of real sorrow and deep pain. We had Jesus on his way to the cross, sweating so hard. He was bleeding. I mean, deep sorrow. David writes, you know, in one of the Psalms, he says that my bed is soaked with tears from sobbing. Like our God knows deep sorrow. And so if you're there in this moment, stay right there and watch him come after you. Not in the cleaned up, hopeful version of yourself, not in the brave version. That's like, okay, I can do this. I'm just going to keep uh, pushing through. But in the version that says, I'm going to take my bravery and I'm going to allow it to push me to be absolutely broken. Bravery is not just for those that stand up with a smile. It's for those that are comfortable with weeping, that are comfortable with their tears, that are saying, I just am not together right now. We talked about this off camera before. Like last week, I had to force myself to eat because in my anxiety moments, another way that I numb is to punish my body for not being able to perform, for not being able to show up. And what did I have to do? Okay, I had to acknowledge I'm in an, anxi like an anxiety-ridden week right now. I need to keep an eye on it. I need to be aware that I've got things in my past that's going to want to creep back in. My body's going to want to, to do the things that it used to do to cope. But we can be brave enough to say, hey, you know what? That is 
who I am, that is what's in me, but I serve a God that's given me the power to overcome. I am going to do what I know is healthy in my brain that may not feel good in my heart right now. And I'm going to do the hard thing. I'm going to reach out to my friends and I'm going to say, okay, this really sucks right now. This is a dumb season. I can't believe this. I have so much to do and my body is just not wanting to perform. And I'm going to have them remind me that you can just be Tony. You can be right here in this moment. You don't have to do another thing. As a matter of fact, if you didn't do another thing, you'd still be so worthy of love and belonging. Sit in that. And when you're ready, when you're ready, pull up them bootstraps. And go right. run after hope because it's available yeah. for you. Yeah. Listen, I, you know, we're just going to call up the choir to come right now. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yes. Can we're going to pass the offering the plate, uh, put us in E flat. You, you are preaching hard flat. right now. Okay. <laughs> like we could, that's mm. the benediction. It's true, man. It's so, so true. But you know what? You said yeah. something that's so powerful. You talk about this uh, confessional community, this group. Um, and I know that you, having a healthy community around you is very important. It's a big value for you. Uh, cause I feel like you're only as strong as like your support group, your village, your people, your tribe, your yes. people. And you even now just reference them again, like this being able to go and, and find the safe space. But how do you find your tribe? Because there are women right now that are listening that are like, oh, here we go. Oh, you've got your friends. Ah. <laughs> right? yeah, that's but, good. but they, but they're struggling in loneliness. Like they are lonely. Yeah. That's really, How did really you find good. your tribe? Help us. Yeah. yeah. I think the first thing is you got to make room for them. I had some people in my tribe that were, I'm going to pause. We're going to pause guys because he's weed eating. Child child i took your daughter's advice where are you even at i don't oh this is a whole new man he's literally right here wow it's okay it's we, only have two, we have two we have two only two more questions we're but it is the, we this, got to get, this is so strong this is like one of the strongest interviews i've had in a while you are just you are just Tony. Uh, uh. Okay, he's going to the other house. Okay, make room. I got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let I me can ask literally see them. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Michaela, should I ask the question again? Uh, yes, please. Yes, okay. I, I just got to ask. I just got to start from the top of oh, that Oh, that's perfect. Question. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, here we go. Take two just to mark it. You know, Tony, I love every single word that you're like, anything you're saying, I'm like, yes, Lord, amen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Come on, come on. But, you know, there's a common thread I'm hearing of this, uh, yep. like this other layer of support, this yeah. other layer of community. And like, yeah. you talk about your confessional group, you talk about your sisters that you can go to. Yeah. And I know how, like, we are only as strong as our support group. That's but I good. know that there's there's someone listening here that is like they're almost getting that like I'm ready to check out mm. because this is a pain for me. This is a wound for me. I yeah. am lonely. I mm. am lonely and I don't have my people. So how how did you find your tribe? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, you got to make room for your tribe because there are some toxic people that I had in my past that was that were blocking who God really wanted to be in these spaces. And in the book, we talk about this. Even Jesus had circles. You can see it all weave throughout his story, his intimate three, and then the 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 kind of like the disciples, the rest of the disciples and these big crowds. And there were only a few that he had real intimate moments with. And I think it's just an example of 
how we get to set up our own circles today. And so you got to make room. And I, I would say that the most intimate circle that you need to have is you and God and can't nobody else go in there. And like I said earlier, I put some people in the intimate space with me and God. It's like me, God and my boot. Okay. No, get those people out. Have just your intimate space with God. After that, you got to really figure out who your people are. The, I mean, Jenny Allen talks about, you know, finding your people. And I mean, it's such a great resource that she has for actually finding that group. And she talks about this idea of making room for these people in your life. Who are the people that are safe? Who are the people that have values that match up with your values? Oftentimes, you know, and I love, again, I have friends of all the different kinds. I have friends that are Muslim and atheist. And I mean, I just, I love people, but not all of them are close to my intimate spaces, those people yeah. are outer circles and that's okay. But who's yeah. in your inner circle that actually matches up with what you believe, who can yeah. challenge you to grow, uh, but also give you space to, to, to feel loved and secure. Um, yeah. I, I think the second thing that's super important is boundaries within your relationships. I, it, it's almost, you know, it's kind of like working backwards a little bit. People are just like, well, I ain't got no friends to put boundaries around, but you have to know your boundaries before they get there. So that's one of the mistakes that I made real, real uh, early on in my friendships. You know, I had friends that would joke around, call you names, you know, say little funny sly remarks. That don't work for me. I'm sensitive. Okay. We can't have that in, in me. Words are sensitive to me. What people speak over my life, that's sensitive to me. And so I have a boundary that we don't do negative self-talk. We don't call each other's names. We don't rag on each other and joke so on each other. Good. Not if you're going to be in my yes. inner circle. It's just, we, I just yes. can't do it. I need people that are speaking life into me that want yes. good things to me. And that's an overflow from what they say. And then I think the third thing is you need to check yourself. Oftentimes we have friends that are good for us, but we're not good for them. And we push them away because we're not the healthiest version of ourselves. Do your work so that you can yeah. show up in these friendships in really healthy ways so that you can keep yeah. them and sustain them. So those are, the, those are the things. I feel like I always have like a three-point thing. It's maybe I, the I, I was about to say, you are a preacher girl through and through. I was surprised I didn't, I didn't, I'm surprised I didn't have alliteration when you didn't have the, the, you know, the T, 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 It don't work out that way. I'm not that good. That was so good. Listen, you, we are, we are coming down to the end of our beautiful, beautiful journey in this, on the path. And I'm just, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Not enough words. But I want in like, I got a, like a question and a half for you, but first love that speed round. Boom, boom. Who was uh, Tony before the healing? Who was Tony after? Mm. Woo! That's good, man. I think the Tony before was the world's version of strong. It was, she She 100% was the world's version of strong. Never have any issues with anybody, never voice her opinion, never express how she feels, just like a machine. She was a machine. Tony now is incredibly broken and so excited about it. Excited to be broken. Excited to be a little crazy and messy and maybe say the wrong thing and try my best to, to stumble upon the way that I feel. She's just incredibly broken and so excited about it. So yeah. 
Love that. Guys, we are talking with the one and only Tony Collier, author of Brave Enough to Be Broken, available everywhere and anywhere books are sold. And listen, oh. how how can we, there's so many people that just want to now, they've fallen in love with you like I have many, many moons ago. How many can moons. we track with you? How can we stalk you? Stalk? Yeah, in I a love healthy that. way. I let's love not that. let's not get the police involved, people. But don't how do we <laughs> don't be weird? How do we stalk you in a healthy way? Tell us all the things. Yeah, everything is Tony J. Collier, T-O-N-I-J-C-O-L-L-I-E-R. Um, website TonyJcollier.com, Instagreasy, all the things, and my books on there. It's so cute. Oh, look, I have it. Show us. I do. It's I want so a picture. We're gonna cute. we're gonna freeze frame this. Go! I love it. Congratulations, Tony! Congratulations! So, yeah. It's exciting. It's like it's it's like you gave birth and you gave birth. You know what I mean? It's it's, doesn't it? Doesn't yes. it feel that way? In yeah. one season, yeah. yes, it does feel that way. Yes, it was hard, but we're here, man. But we're here, and it's and yeah. we need this book in this season. If there was honestly, yeah. if there was ever a time that mm. we needed a book on healing, let's go, right? Like yeah. right now. So okay, so I got a surprise question for you. <laughs> yeah. Ready, yep. this is my favorite, it's just, I love surprise. Yep. It's just a finish Finish this sentence. Uh, and, okay. and I love that I've, I ask every single guest and the answers never, have never duplicated, it's nuts. Um, always okay. slightly different. So uh, finish a sentence, what okay. is it time for? What is it time for? It's time for hope. It's time for hope. It's just time. We've been through too yes, much, Cheryl. You remember that one time in 2020 when we almost all died? Yes. It's just time. Like, it's been a dark few years, okay? It has. It's time to hope again. So it's time. Good. I love Let's that. Okay. It. I'm gonna flip it on you. I'm gonna flip I'm ready. it. I'm ready. Flip it. What what I is it me. not time for? Ooh, what is it? It's not, not time for I got it. I like I almost said it just in there. It's not time for hiding. Stop. Ooh. It's no more time for hiding. It's over. It's time for hope. It's it's not time for hiding. We got to get our stuff out there. We've seen too many people fall. It's like, whoops, surprise. I just lost my whole family. Whoops, surprise. I've been battling with suicide. Whoops, surprise. No, 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 no. We've been hiding too much. It's over. Come on. Get out your houses. Get out your metaphorical houses. <laughs> it's our quarantine's over. Well, you got your marching orders, people, from the one and only Tony Collier. And for those of us who are willing to step out literally into the sun, Amen. S-O-N, and come Amen. out of hiding, there is hope for us. Amen. Tony, thank you for being on the path. Oh, I love you, girl. Wow, what a conversation. I got to thank Tony Collier for stopping by and being with us on the path. Wow, listen, life is hard, but God is good. And while we're going through the hard parts of our journey, can I encourage you to get as many tools as you need to heal? And the most important thing today, no more numbing down, no more ignoring our pain, no more pushing life on top of it. I pray that you get uh, connected with a therapist, a pastor, a spiritual life coach, someone, find your tribe, but offload. I want you to be free and I want you to be whole and I want you to continue to thrive to be all that God's called you to be. Keep living, keep learning, keep loving, keep doing the work of healing. 
I will see you on the path. You're listening to On the Path Podcast with Cheryl Nemhart, brought to you by Fight for Freedom. Please like, download, and subscribe. This has been an Exusia Media production.